Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. Let's start at the beginning, if we can. What was the rationale be behind e-commerce master plan? Did you start it with the intention of doing 300 plus? Or was it just like, I just want to talk about this? Or did you have a, a, a game plan when you did episode one? Well, the game plan for starting the podcast was as my escape route from running a marketing agency. And I kind of found out about the world of business podcasts at the same time as I decided to start mine. Because a, a, a friend of mine, we were doing a, an event circuit around the southwest of the UK on behalf of the UK government trying to persuade people to sell overseas. And I did the e-commerce spot and he was doing the social media spot. He was talking about this crazy thing called podcasting, which I wasn't all that clued up on at the time. And I had a long chat with him about it and was like, oh, this sounds like something I might be quite good at because um, I'm good at organization, which is the thing no one tells you when you get into podcasting. <laughs> it's not glamorous. It's mm. all about organization. And I had two problems that I was, I'd always been trying to solve. One was that I had the most amazing conversations with retailers, but they were all assumed to be off the record. So I had these stupid conversations with people going, oh, I spoke to someone who does something similar to you who recommended doing this. I can't tell you anything about how it worked for them, but I can tell you it was good, mm. which is just really dull and, and frustrating for everybody, quite frankly. And then the other problem I was trying to solve is that e-commerce retailers are very good at never leaving their desks. So if you're trying to sell to them, going to events or going to networking just doesn't work. So to bring these two things together, a podcast, which someone can listen to whilst they're picking, packing and dispatching and putting those conversations I was having off the record on the record was kind of podcasting and that and all my organizational abilities kind of all came together. So mm. that's, that's how we ended up with it. As to whether I thought it would reach 300 episodes, I had no, no end point in mind when I started and I don't see it ending anytime soon if the audience continue to like it and the sponsors continue to keep paying for it. Hmm. Great. Well, it's a real achievement getting beyond not just 333, but 33 for most people. I think that puts yeah. you in the top 20% of podcasts globally. I, the, the first few months, oh my God, the, the, the effort it was to find a guest. It was one of the most stressful things I've ever done, trying to find guests for the first few months of the podcast. Hmm. I don't know if it's because we were new, you know, simply a new podcast, or just because back then people re didn't really know what podcast guesting was. But gosh, we must, have, yeah. Yeah, we must have sent five invites for every episode we actually managed to record. Hmm. And it was, it was seat of the pants stuff almost record the day before it goes out. It was, uh, it was crazy. Thankfully, not like that anymore. Yeah. So what's the, the, the business model for you? Are you using it to upsell services? Are you using it to sell sponsorship? What's the model? I've played around with a lot of models, both since starting the podcast and before the podcast. I've never really tried to sell anything myself on the podcast because it was always both being a, a route out of the agency life. It was also a route out of consulting. Hmm. So... The aim from day one was to get it big enough for sponsorship, which took longer than I thought it would, partly because 
my industry wasn't yet bought into sponsorship, um, but also partly because we just needed to get the numbers and it was, you know, it's a bit of a numbers game. So, so it was always the aim was to monetize the podcast through sponsorship. Now, after doing a lot of testing, we've kind of settled down on the business model of sponsorship pays for the podcast. Hmm. And then we're starting to explore kickbacks and referrals from some of our guests and that kind of thing um, and commission rates just to add a nice little bit of extra extra to it but the primary focus of my my entire business now is on growing the two podcasts and growing the sponsorship income that comes from them so mm. we've kind of now pivoted completely to a content company rather than a consultancy mm. and how do you pitch for that sponsorship are you doing it through an agency or you you're putting all your media packs together and then going out and hustling for sponsors I'm, I'm, doing it myself but with very little hustle these days i think it's the actually, i'm gonna gonna shoot myself in the foot saying this but it's one of the easiest things i've ever sold which probably mm. means i should be charging more we have a waiting list of people wanting to sponsor the show mm. which i think is probably a reflection of how popular it is as a marketing method in our industry at the moment in the e-commerce space there's a lot of SaaS companies who want mm. to sponsor so i get two or three people a week contacting me, asking me to sponsor the show. Mm. So, so I don't use an agency. I do it myself. And I am considering creating some kind of e-commerce network because I know there's a few podcasters who, who would like to sell more sponsorship in the space. So mm. kind of, well, if they're all coming to me for it, there's only so much inventory you have in a podcast. You know, It's not like a magazine. You can't tack on an extra 24 pages or something. So yeah, we're running it ourselves. I'm running it myself. Mm. And what typically would a sponsor pay for a podcast like this? For a podcast like this, well, I know, see, I really should do an audit of what everyone else is doing. Mm. We sell, uh, so, on our, so across the, the two shows, we structure what we sell the same. And I'm currently going through a process of restructuring it. And I will give everyone a number in a second. I'm just going to preface it with what we're actually selling. Don't worry, I'm not trying to evade the question. We sell a pre-roll and a mid-roll. Mm. We, and we have the same advertiser in both pre and mid. And the pre is actually about, about 90 seconds in. And the mid is before we go into our quick fire rounds, about two thirds of the way through. Uh, those are 30, max 30 seconds each. And we have a maximum of two sponsors per episode. That's our current structure. They, those are permanent ads. They're not dynamic. And they also get to be in various places on the website during that time span. And we give them some social shout outs as well. So there's a few bits bundled in there for them. Um, and we, and we take, uh, they've got a sponsor for at least four episodes. So that's four weeks because both it's far too much work for me to manage too many, too many sponsor changes, but also because the, you know, the more time someone hears you, the more effective it is. And we're, I'm actually considering extending that when we launch, when we open up our next bank of sponsorships. As to how much people are actually paying, it's north of a thousand pounds for four episodes mm. per sponsor, which means um, we can pay for everything that all the costs of creating the podcast and um, we make some money on top of that. And for you, what did you find has worked in the pitch? Are they buying because of the audience numbers, the engagement, what are the, I guess even the metrics here are going to be important for them to understand why am I buying? Or do you find that sponsors are like, I mean, I just need to have a, a podcast that matches my key messages. How are people buying sponsorship at the moment? I find that quite fascinating. And I, I'm not convinced 
my industry has yet worked out or everyone in my industry has worked out how to do sponsorship. I think there's certainly mm. a number of people going, HubSpot did a blog post about podcast sponsorship. We better do some podcast sponsorship. Or the CEO really likes this podcast. We better go and sponsorship. I mean, I'm perfectly happy with them doing that, I should say. Um, but, but the questions I get asked most frequently by people are, what's the geographic breakdown of your audience? Hmm. And what is the, I suppose in a consumer world, we'd say the, dem- the, um, the demographics of the, ind- of the listeners, but business size and what sort of ways in which they're selling. So are they Amazon FBA people or are they Shopify people? And that those sort of questions. Um, our best sponsors are the ones who are just after brand awareness. Mm. And they want to be, if someone's thinking about e-commerce, they want to be there. Um, And those are by far and away the easiest sponsors to work with. What surprised me is how much work I have to do with sponsors to perfect their ads, which may, may seem quietly surprising, but you would have thought they'd all put a call to action in. I mean, Mm. I had had some, some ad scripts sent through by a sponsor this week who will remain nameless, but which didn't even have a URL. It was his, um, we're giving e-commerce master plan listeners X hundred dollars off. And that was it. And it was like, well, but what, what do you actually want them to do? Yeah. Um, go- so I had to go, go back. Yeah. It's like, uh, what, what would you like them to do as a result of this? Do they need mm. to enter a code? Do they need to go to, to pay? So I, I end up working quite a bit with the sponsors to try and make their ads more effective for them and to explain how it, how it all works. But, um, but yeah, the key things people want to know is where the listeners are mm. and what size business they've got. Okay. Where, where do you see that going? Like you've obviously, you've built this and you've almost, with due respect, stumbled into sponsorship. You know, people have come to you and then you've responded to that demand and now you've sort of professionalized it. And now you've got a great pipeline of sponsors there will come a time, I know you're obviously looking at networks as well. There, there are sort of many developments in this space as a inventory, as a destination for sponsors as yourself. Curious to know what your thoughts are about some of the developments, like, for example, programmatic. Um, also, you know, like the engagement rates and host reads, whether people really enjoy those over sort of, you know, like inserts, for example, from brands. And just generally about the engagement data around uh, sponsorship that's thrown around, like what's kind of working for you. So let's sort of go back. So programmatic, if that come up on your radar, is that something you would seriously consider? Do you think there's a future in that as somebody who already has opted for, um, you know, more relevant and more curated inserts? Yeah, I I love the idea of, uh, you know, um, programmatic, mean often mean something different in different industries. So I'm going to go with what I think programmatic is. Mm. So the whole dynamic ad insertion piece, I think is hugely exciting. I believe my podcast host are rolling that out this summer. So my primary excitement about it is it's an upsell I can do to other sponsors of during your month when you're sponsoring the new episodes, why don't you also sponsor the unsponsored back catalogue? Because mm. we've got, I reckon I've probably got a hundred shows with no sponsorship on them at all. You know, so I get my VA to go through, work out the timestamps of where we put them, and we can slam a load of uh, slam a load of ads. Terribly pre- precision there, but you know, we can put ads back in all that underused content. The hmm. other way I see that tech being useful for me, probably 
possibly less for sponsorship, um, but certainly for things we do. So last week, we ran a virtual summit to grow our email database to therefore grow our podcast. And to have been able to dynamically add an insert before every single episode we've ever put out, that's me, me going, hey, next week, we're doing a summit mm, go here. Mm. That would be really powerful. So I think we'd use it partly for, for our own ends and partly for, to add an extra level to sponsorship packages. Mm. Because as I said earlier, that you know, I've got limited inventory. So you have to you know, you have to try and make the most of everything. So that's what I'm thinking of for those, which I realize isn't really true programmatic. It's still staying quite undynamic in mm. many ways, but using the tool in that way is what is what I'm thinking of doing. It's an interesting use case, that idea of using it yourself. In so much as, I mean, if you've got 333 episodes, you've got a large bag catalog to go back and adjust each and every episode and they're going to be you know you go all the way back the numbers are going to get lower and lower in terms of the the audience and it'll just you know but if you could automate that and then put in your insert for your call out for your summit yeah or one of my thing. books or something mm, mm. you know or potentially it becomes for the back catalog it becomes you know an extra announcement mm. you know i have people all the time who want me to promote their events it's like oh well for this much you could be at the, at the beginning of mm. all our back catalog pre this year or something um i have to tread slightly carefully because one of our our promises to sponsors is that we'll only have two sponsors in each episode mm. so therefore i can't necessarily add a third party but if it in, was you yeah but if it's me it's okay yeah, yeah but exactly it's, it's, but you know i wonder for a podcast host as well that's that's a real interesting development, especially because a lot of the calls to action we have as content creators change over time. Like you're doing a summit yeah. and then you've got a book and then you've got a new book and that's going to change, isn't it? And then maybe some of the old calls to actions are no longer valid and you want to get rid of them. But if you can make that dynamic, that'd be really interesting. Hadn't yeah, really thought about it for use, self-use. Yeah, I think it's got, it's got opportunities on both sides of the coin, both for money mm. making and for making the business better. So I'm, I'm really excited to have a play with it when it, when it becomes available. Cool. What about on the data side that when it comes to selling a podcast, obviously you've got a great inbound interest in what you're doing and you build up an audience. Are there particularly data points, not specific to your podcast, but about the podcasting in general, you know, that really, interest advertisers like do they look at it through the lens of okay you know 50 percent of the audience listen to 50 percent of a 40 minute episode so that sort of engagement number or are they looking at specifically at the quality of the demographics well, what's really interesting what's sort of developing for you as well in that space you see no one has ever asked me how much of an episode gets listened to Mm, interesting. Never. To the point I haven't, I couldn't actually tell you how much of my episodes get listened to because it's on my list of things to look at and it hasn't yet yeah, happened. Yeah, I haven't looked at it. Um, I haven't to looked at it. The thing which we get people frustrated about, especially first time sponsors, is mm. not being able to track the leads, which you know, we've worked with, with pod sites um, mm. and you know, we're, we're open to, to working with you know, that type of tech with sponsors. But it's not something we've been asked to do it for two sponsors, mm. but that's been it. And I, I'm so I'm thinking of bundling something like that into, or as an added extra fee for sponsors, you know, mm. to try and sell each piece of inventory for as much as possible. Because I know some of them are after leads. So how do you do it? Which is 
which is one of the reasons why we've added a social media post into it. Hmm. And for one of the podcasts we have on the show notes that appear via the podcast player, we've added a link to the sponsor in there, you know, just to try and show them a bit more love and Hmm. try and create something that's a little trackable for them. Hmm. But yeah, the actual play, you know, time play data is not something anyone's asking for. Yeah, if they're not asking for it, then don't need to, unless you see something that's useful there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, what's happening in terms of tech developments that are interesting you at the moment in like what you're doing now or what you plan to do in the next year of podcast that is new area for you in your podcast, how you're promoting it, less about how you're producing it, because I don't think production is such a challenge anymore. For anybody, yeah. you know, it's in fact it's dead easy and too easy. That makes promotion even harder, right, for everybody because of the numbers. What, yeah. what are you going to try? What sort of things interesting? What kind of developments, even apps, um, are on your radar now? Well, I I used to run, well, the agency I was trying to escape, which I used to run a while back, was a, a Google Ads agency, hmm. and I think there's, and I, you know, I like I like running a a nice ad platform. So I think there's there's opportunity in an ad platform to make the podcast to cause the podcast growth. And you know, as you said it's very very easy to create a podcast. I think in the last 12 months everyone in my industry has created a podcast. Again probably because HubSpot said you should have a podcast. Mm. So um so they I, I have nothing against HubSpot I should say, but it's 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 who an awful lot of my uh, my sponsors yeah. listen to. So there has to be a way of of standing proud of them to keep the listeners. And I love the fact they've all done it because they're going to create more podcast listeners who hopefully can end up back on my show, back listening to my show. So I think there's an advertising mechanism. What I've, the reason I've not put a lot of money into, into advertising so far is because I haven't yet found a good way of tracking the impact of the advertising. Because to tie, I don't know, a, a Twitter ad to a play Hmm. is incredibly difficult. So we've been trying to get my head around a way to do it. And I think I'm just going to give up with tracking it through to podcast Hmm. and instead track it through to email signups on the website and then track that through to make it a bit of a two-stage element. Um, So that's that's the tech or the, the opportunities I'm most excited about at the moment on the podcast promotion side of things. Specifically talking about audience acquisition, yeah? Yeah, audience okay, acquisition. listeners, yeah. Mm. Have you, what about, I know Spotify has advertising as well. Has that interested you at all? That is on the list. I've tried advertising on Overcast this year, mm. which made no difference to our plays on Overcast at all. But hey, at least I know now. Won't be doing yeah. that again. Also tried, uh, have you come across Podcorn? Yeah. So we, I tried Podcorn when we launched uh, Keep Optimizing, which is my second podcast that went live last year. Mm. And I think that had an, had a, an impact. We ran one campaign across a number of different mm. um, places. I'm pretty certain it had an impact, but I need to structure the test better mm. next time to see what impact it has. And we've also trialed some Google keyword ads on the search engine. Uh, in the last in the last couple of months, which mm. whilst they were running, they went to a page that had the trailer on it. We had a really big uplift in trailer plays, so I think we'll be doing more of that. But again, I need the email sign up tracking bit yeah. in place, and then I'll be doing a lot of testing around that. And I think Twitter ads have have an opportunity too. But those are the areas on the promotional 
mm. decide I'm planning on testing. I'm also always interested in ways of saving time on the grind that is social media marketing. Yeah, that's never going to change, is it? There is a lot of grind there. I think, you know, yeah. what gets clever is automation kind of devalues it a little bit, doesn't it? You know, you just can't get the results of automated social media as you yeah. can from that one authentic human post, which just kind of gets the response, right? I'm interested, yeah. I like your experiments as well with the, the acquisition part. I guess the challenge is, is that there's one part getting somebody to the podcast. There's another part getting a subscriber because you can easily get a lot mm -hmm. of flyby traffic and spend thousands of dollars. And I'm sure Google and Facebook will happily eat up your yes. marketing budget. As you know, I mean, you're from that world, isn't it? A lot of people get slaughtered in spending money on SEO, some SEO pay-per-click. Pay yeah. Um, just because they don't know to <laughs> do it properly, right? And I can imagine with podcasts, it could be, you know, it's, it's a license to kind of just give them your credit card and you're away, right? Yeah, as soon as you have a disconnect between where someone technologically sees mm. the ad to where someone hits play, mm. you know, it, it's like if I look at my, my website stats or my email open stats, 80% of the people uh, you know, visiting my website and opening my emails are doing it on a desktop because they're at work doing it. Mm. Now, I know from talking to them that they don't sit at their desk at work and listen to the podcast. So they're probably listening to their podcast on their personal phone, not their work phone, because mm. most of the people I'm, I, who are listening, I would assume don't get given a work phone because they're always in the office. Why would they be given a work phone? So there's not even got the same you know, account logins mm. going on, so, which is really pushing the attribution of those platforms. Mm. So it, you, know, you, you are really struggling, which is why you know, I'm, I think I'm going to take it back to trailer plays and find a way to get a trailer on a page where those stats purely relate to that landing page mm. and then an email sign up on that landing page. So I drive the, the traffic to there with a fairly big call to action to sign up to our emails and then create yeah. the content off the back of that that gets the play. But it's, it's not easy, is it? I mean, it, no. you would have well, thought by now it would be more straightforward. Well, there's also a conflict of interest fundamentally, isn't it? That you want that email address and Spotify and Apple want that subscriber and they're not, naturally you know, consistent like for you it makes sense like to have that landing page with the sign up get the emails because then you know it could be a podcast it could be something else but well. if i if i could track it through to apple or through to spotify mm. i would happily do that and bypass going to my landing page but i can't track whether someone someone saw a facebook ad clicked through to apple and, mm. and listened you can't track that. Mm. So, so therefore, I have to do the email sign-up basis. So as I've actually got a metric where I can see how successful, my, mm. with, how worthwhile my ad spend is. Which, um, so it's the way I'm going to have to do it, but I would far rather you know, select an audience of people who have an Apple podcast um, yeah. app downloaded on their phone. They're never going to let you have that data. That's the thing, though, isn't it? It's theirs, not yeah. yours. That's their attitude. And they, they've been doing, I mean, you know, Apple only really started upping their analytics game when Spotify in 2017 did yeah. the same. They would have happily just kept that black box shut for everybody like they have done since the beginning. So I don't feel that's going to change. No, Spotify me is the most Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a different world. But Spotify, I think, is the most interesting one. I, I, f I feel like what they're doing at the moment and having talked to a lot of people in and out of that 
scene that like the way it's going it's looking very much like uh, amazon as a as a platform in terms of how they're building the catalog effectively and how they're indexing it and then you know in the beginning with amazon you could publish a book and then you've got an audience because there were more people with kindles than there were authors yeah, yeah. right and that soon changed and now it became harder and harder to rank harder and harder to get noticed and then effectively you were either spending more money to get ranked on amazon or buying ads with amazon effectively so mm -hmm. that's you know it, facebook learned that as well facebook you know everybody had a remember those company fan pages and it was like yeah well these are really powerful and oh by the way folks we just kind of dial it back a little bit now you're not going to get as many fans as you used to but you can pay yeah <laughs> to get what you used to and i feel that's kind of how it's going to go because they'll realize actually there's a lot of money in that that people want that promotion so i feel but that's kind the of you know, Apple Podcasts have just announced or recently announced the whole, um, you know, uh, subscription mm. podcast element to things. There's, they're doing that so they can start monetizing this platform, which is kind of good news because it means that they're starting to invest in the platform mm. more than they did for the first three years I was podcasting anyway. Um, but it does, you know, I do, I have no internal strategy for why we should create a subscription element mm -hmm. to either podcast but i wonder if a ranking factor in the future will be this podcast has a subscription element therefore we have the opportunity to make money off it therefore mm. we will show this podcast more than we show this podcast because um we might earn some commission off their fees for additional content i can you know, I've spent the last almost 20 years looking at how Google play their algorithms, how Facebook, mm. how everyone plays their algorithms and money comes into it sooner or later in every way possible. So, um, so yeah, it's, it, it's going to be really fascinating to see how the space evolves in the next couple of years. Mm. Very much so. Absolutely. You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com. <laughs>